Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I am Elena Fowles, and this and and in today's episode, we will explore Latinx identity. Our guest, Carlos Kelly, will discuss his experience in higher education and how that experience is informed by and intersects with his Mexican American identity. Carlos is a doctoral student in the Department of English at the Ohio State University with an emphasis in the digital humanities. His research seeks to engage with the liminal spaces associated with video games and online platforms through a Latinx per perspective. Apart from his responsibilities as a student, he is also the current laser coordinator working with Professor Fre uh, Frederick Aldama. So first of all, Carlos, the term Latinx is fairly new. Uh, can you please uh, briefly explain the use of this term? Sure. Um, first, thank you for you know letting me be here and, and discuss these you know, wonderful questions. Um, so I came to this term really after I had been teaching mm -hmm. and and finding out that um, I wanted to be more inclusive mm -hmm. in, in all aspects of my teaching and 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 just you know in my my Latinidad. As mm -hmm. you know, machismo is really uh, something ingrained into our culture. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I started approaching uh, feminism more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I call myself a feminist. And, and I really found that the, that the language, Spanish language, is really, uh, it leans towards um, the masculine. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and, and then if we had to ask ourselves, like, who else is missing from the representation, right? Uh, and I think that, you know, transgender folks can also feel included in the term Latinx as mm -hmm. well as women. Mm -hmm. um, because if, you know, if there's a room full of women, of Latinx women, yeah. and I enter the room, it's not a room of Latinas anymore, it's a room of Latinos. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. just because of my presence, I can't, I, I feel like that's not uh, fair. Mm -hmm. And so Latinx is a, an all-encompassing term that really focuses on uh, inclusion. And okay. so I think that that's, that's the approach. And even Chicanx, too, you know, yes. uh, trying to shift the language from uh, those traditional aspects of our culture mm -hmm. into maybe being a more progressive and inclusive culture. Okay. Great, great. Uh, tell me about your co uh, cultural identity journey. Yeah, let's see. Tell me about where you grew up and, okay, and so, how you identify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in San Diego. Uh, you know, for the first three years of my life, I was living in Tijuana, mm -hmm. uh, which is the border town uh, uh, connected to San Diego. Mm -hmm. And I've always been Mexican, you mm -hmm. know, whether or not I've felt Mexican on certain days or not <laughs> is a different story. But as I grew up, you know, that was something I never thought about because I spoke Spanish at home and that was my culture. And you know, everything from our food to the family and visiting family, having uh, tias and tios visit with, you know, my cousins and, and living with my grandmother, too, at times. Um, so it was really always there. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it was when I started to grow up that I realized that, you know, that even though I identified as Mexican, people around me may not think that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, whether that has to do with my passing um, or or not, um, it was really always an issue because people would look at me and say, well, you're not really Mexican. Mm-hmm. You, know? um, you think it was for, because of being maybe taller than the average Mexican, <laughs> maybe lighter skin, is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely those two mm-hmm. those two things, you know, because when I go visit Mexico, you know, people just stare at me. Uh, <laughs> like if I'm, you know, just, just, but there's lots of diversity in Mexico. Absolutely. And so it's always strange to me uh, to, to, to negotiate that. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time too, I always thought that I was told, you know, by family and, uh, you know, and my Mexican, real Mexican, right, with quotations around it from Mexico, right, because <laughs> there's that distinction, right, uh, that you know, real Mexicans can speak Spanish well, you know, and and that and Chicano or Chicanx didn't have a positive connotation for me for a long time, um, you know, and that was based off of other people's thoughts until I started to realize that hey, you know what, you know, doesn't matter where you were born or or whether or not you can speak the language, you know, mm-hmm. your Latinidad is intact within mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with how you identify. Um, I still have problems with the term Hispanic, um, but I think Chicanx and Latinx and, and Mexican are all something that I can identify with. Can you speak to that a little bit? Why is it, um, why is Hispanic uh, mm. problematic? Um, to me, I just feel like that's something that's, you kind of check a box and uh, our Latinidad is so diverse that Hispanic, mm. there's, not, there's no country, uh, Hispania. That's mm-hmm. how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And so when someone says Hispanic, it's almost like they're erasing our, our diverse Latinidad, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you can be Dominican, you can be Puerto Rican, you can be, you know, uh, Salvadoreño, you can be all sorts of different Latinidads and Hispanic doesn't really encompass that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you grew up uh, uh, claiming, right, your your being Mexican, your cultural identity, um, and speaking Spanish. Um, when you were um, maybe more permanently in the U.S., uh, living in the U.S., um, did you always embrace that as well? Was it? Um, it wasn't hard. Like I mean, you grew up in San, San Diego, so that's the border town. Was it? Um, what aspects? Um, sometimes I, I ask, right? Uh, what a, what aspects of your Mexican identity were always with you? What maybe sometimes was difficult to embrace, or um, maybe you felt that you had to leave it at the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I've always been proud of being Mexican, um, and that, that's never going to change. Um, and as a child, I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew that I was a part of it. And so I really never questioned or, or held back. You know, I was just a kid, you know, so before, you know, school began to problematize all aspects of identity, right, uh, I just was a kid growing up, you know, and I had my family at home and we did things a little differently and, uh, than some of my friends, but I was very fortunate in the fact that I grew up with a large 
first-generation Mexican-American presence、mm-hmm. all around me.、Mm-hmm. And so there were many of us、uh, who were you know, living out the, the, the American dream that our parents wanted us to live out.、Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of us had our parents、um, who they immigrated to the United States, whether they were documented or not.、Um, that, uh, That was one of the only separating things,、uh, one of the things that separated us from each other、mm-hmm. uh, in regards to our friends or my friends.、Um, but we all shared、um, a common language, right?、Mm-hmm. And so when we'd go over each other's houses, we could talk to, our, you know, we'd have discussions in Spanish, right?、Um, you know, I, I grew up speaking Spanish,、uh, that was my first language. But quickly,、uh, especially, you know, being an 80s baby and growing, going to school in the 90s, Uh, assimilation happened rather quickly.、Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like, I still to this day feel like, you know, that assimilation kind of took the language away from me.、Mm. And, and I try to reclaim it as much as possible,、uh, whether that's in my poetry,、mm-hmm. you know, mixing it with English, or whether I just say things, you know,、uh, in sayings in Spanish, or, you know,、um, having. Expressive or emotive、uh, moments with Spanish and rather than English.、Um, and I just try to do that as much as I can.、Um, and so it's just something that's followed me through childhood and, and that I continue to, to try to maintain as part of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Uh, you mentioned、um, in conversations that we've had before、um, the liminal space of being. A Mexican American in higher education.、Mm. Can you talk more about that? Yeah.、Um, and so <clears throat> part of that liminal space has to do with、uh, what people expect Mexicans to look like.、Mm-hmm. Um, and so right away, you know, being six foot four and, <laughs> you know, I look, you know, European,、mm-hmm. if, that, if that's, you know, a thing. And, And having that be so pronounced、um, really, really differentiates my treatment from others、uh, in regards to fellow POC or fellow、uh, Latinx.、Um, and so sometimes I wonder whether all the positive experiences I've had in education have been either because of my, you know, Personality,、mm-hmm. or whether it's because I'm deemed less threatening、mm. because of the way I look.、Mm-hmm. And so that's really tough for me to negotiate because I'm so open and so、uh, approachable and really laid back, especially being from California, you know,、uh, <laughs> that it's hard for me to realize and wonder about if that's not because of who I am、mm-hmm. and it's more because of what I look like.、Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having to negotiate that constantly is something that. You know, puts a strain on you.、Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nothing compared to what, you know,、uh, fellow Latinx go through or, or you know,、um, folks from the black community、mm-hmm. or other minorities, right, who are constantly being、um, explicitly Tar- targeted. Yeah,、mm-hmm. ex- targeted explicitly because of the way they look, right? And so I get to escape a lot of that.、Um, and I deal a lot with microaggressions.、Mm-hmm. Um, no, you don't look Mexican.、Mm-hmm. You know, what does that mean? What am I supposed to look like? What,、mm-hmm. what images do you have in your mind、um, about what a Mexican is supposed to look like?、Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny because that, I get that mostly from other Mexicans.、Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. who 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 themselves doubt my, I guess, Latinidad and my mm-hmm. Mexicanness mm-hmm. uh, because of the way I look. And so it makes me think of like, well, wh- you know, what has happened through our mediation of Mexicans in the United States um, to cause our own people to feel like we're supposed to look a certain way mm-hmm. when Mexico is just as or even more diverse than the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and in academia, it's just, it's been difficult too because again, going back to like my, how I get treated by professors and staff, mm-hmm. um, which has been really positive, mm-hmm. you know. Um, some things have happened here already mm-hmm. in my first semester uh, that kind of, that I could consider as microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just really more aware of those things because of the stories I hear from other other students um, who tell me their difficulties. And, and so... That liminal space is something that I, I'll I always say that it's going to be uh, in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never escape that liminality, mm-hmm. um, and and that's why I came back to grad school to really study that. Do you feel like that? I mean, existing in that space and that liminal space actually is could be a place of empowerment for for you and to allow you to empower others, especially since you are sort of. Um, mentoring uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Latinx students that are, you know, in high school now or maybe the ones, undergraduate students that we have at OSU and they're they're dealing with uh, something similar but different. Um, Is that something that you you see as being empowering as well or having that possibility? Yeah, definitely. There are, you know, a lot of negatives, right? But there's also a lot of positives. And I think it's empowering the sense that it allows me to break down barriers that perhaps other fellow POC might not be able to. Mm -hmm. And and through breaking those barriers down, I feel like I can reach a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the white folks around uh, Mm -hmm. Columbus specifically. Uh, And I think about the students that I teach and when we discuss that, you know, privilege mm-hmm. and, and what that means according to whether it's class or skin color or, you know, what have you, mm-hmm. I think that I can set my own, I can be an example to show them how I've experienced privilege mm-hmm. and how, you know, just with my own family, with cousins who look different or colleagues of mine who look different and how we experience the world of academia a little differently. Mm-hmm. In regards to Latinx, you know, the youth, um, I know what it is to to pass and to experience those, you know, those those benefits. And so I can really speak to what it's like to navigate the world from my perspective mm-hmm. and to show how it can be a little challenging to navigate. Well, not a little, but, you know, really challenging to navigate it from um, the perspective of someone who has a dark complexion. Mm-hmm. Right. Because even though I might not understand that completely. I do. I am empathetic, and mm-hmm. I can prepare my the youth to mm-hmm. uh, deal with that. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, it can be empowering. Although sometimes, you know, it does it does make me question whether or not um, I'm enough mm-hmm. in certain aspects, especially if I'm Mexican enough or if I'm brown enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if I can belong to those communities who who look at me and say well he's not really part of us mm-hmm. and so those those are some negative aspects i i constantly have to deal with but i i always try to approach um my identity and 
the youth through a positive uh, mindset so mm-hmm. that they can see that things are possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've only been in Ohio for barely one semester. When did you get here? Was it August? August. Okay, August. Um, and, and like you mentioned before, you came from California, a completely different geographical and cultural landscape. Um, how has this transition heightened your cultural identity? Um, do you feel that um, you negotiated differently, that your experience... Um, you know, as a Mexican-American here in Ohio is completely different or significantly different than in California? Yeah, this is significantly different mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, I, I wear my Latinidad and my Mexicanness uh, as a badge of honor, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I never shy away from it, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I realized how privileged I was in growing up next to the border and having that culture and family so close. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of Lat- uh, Latinx out here feel so isolated from their cultures, uh, from their families. And that isolation is, you know, increased tenfold, I think, from in being in a PWI, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I noticed immediately uh, on my arrival here which was a huge culture shock for me because in, in San Diego, you know, you, in all your, in all the jobs that I had, I, if I wasn't talking Spanish like 90% of the time, then yeah. it was uh, a strange day. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, let me just interrupt you. Yeah. The PWI, for those of, that might not be familiar, is a uh, predominantly white institution. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that, mm-hmm. right? Because San Diego is not like that. And, you know, in San Diego, I dare say that, you know, Mexicans are the majority at times, right? And, and so it feels really welcoming and, and, and honestly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas over here, it's, I really had to find, mm-hmm. you Your know, community. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I have, and I continue to do so, which is, you know, really encouraging. Uh, but it's also encouraging because I think that not just not other Latin, uh, Latinx that are coming together, but a real sense of community between all the different um, POC on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was at a, um, uh, prof- uh, went to the, this weekend I went to the re- retreat for the professoriate mm. uh, for those POC students who are planning to enter uh, the professoriate. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing, you know, to be in a room with like 40 other graduate students who are all trying to do the same thing in their yeah. fields. And that sense of community is something that, I really didn't search for mm-hmm. back home in San Diego State uh, mm-hmm. or just in San Diego in general because I had that. Mm-hmm. But here it's, you know, I, I really reach out for these things because I feel it's so much more important uh, because we are so far away mm-hmm. uh, from our, our culture, uh, specifically Mexican culture. Um, you know, I do little things too, like uh, a lot of my emails I sign off with saludos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... I just started doing that here because I feel like I need to remind people that, hey, you know, I'm Mexican yeah. and I want you to know this so that and you. And I speak Spanish. Yeah, and I speak Spanish <laughs> and, I, and I want you, it may, be, it may make people uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. people need to be uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's how, you know, the dude that, I do that or, or, you know, I don't say bless you when somebody sees me. I say salud. <laughs> and, and, Great. And I explain that uh, to my students um, who I teach because I, you know, they sneeze all the time. <laughs> and so I don't want them to know what I'm saying. Yeah. But also 
um, I think people should just, it, it, we grow from a sense of discomfort and mm -hmm. that's something that I'm, and you know, maybe some people are uncomfortable with hearing Spanish or not, but mm -hmm. that's not my concern. Mm -hmm. My concern is to show them that, hey, I'm here. Well, it's part of you. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm here and, and you need to deal with me being here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's also strange to me to, because I went to San Diego State for 11 years, um, not having as many um, peers mm -hmm. who are Latinx. Uh, specifically Mexican, because mm -hmm. in my English department, there's only a few of us. Mm -hmm. And that's so strange to me. Um, and I, I, I both like this and uh, I'm also put off uh, in a sense that there aren't many Mexicans, but uh, there are a lot of uh, other Latinidades present. present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, like back home, you know, Puerto Ricanos were non just not there, mm -hmm. right? But over here, there's a lot of Puerto Ricanos, and I yeah. feel like that's you know that's something that I, that I enjoy uh, seeing uh, Puerto, Puerto Rico represented here. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm I'm like, well, how come there's not more representation of Mexican people here? Mm -hmm. Because the we are the neighbors of the United States, you know. <laughs> and so I go, I question um, both the English departments, um, you know, drive to represent us more. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I also think like the humanities finds a way to sort of divert mm -hmm. uh, from more POC representation. I don't know if that's just here or if, if that's all, in, you know, in a lot of institutions around the United States. Um, but I feel like we're made to, you know, focus on like uh, Chicano studies or Chicanx studies mm -hmm. versus English, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I've been told at times in college to, you know, why am I not studying Chicano studies or mm -hmm. Chicanx studies? And I feel, well, I love English and I love to write and that's something that I want to pursue and, mm -hmm. and bring my diversity to the table. And and so I feel like that's something that Ohio State can, can work on. Um, I know that we have a lot of... Uh, Latinidad on campus, uh, but I think there's like 4,000 of us mm -hmm. specifically. Um, maybe, I'm not too sure on the numbers, but then again, I just don't see many. Yeah, uh, and the so campus is so big and we're scattered throughout. Right, yeah. and we're scattered mm -hmm. through all these different departments. And so events like that professoriate retreat are, are really special in a sense because it brings us together, even mm -hmm. from different fields. Mm -hmm. um, Great. Yeah, um, and then just laser. Laser mm -hmm. really helps mm -hmm. me uh, because I get to, you know, every Thursday I go to uh, South High School mm -hmm. and I get to work with amazing, you know, Latinx students and being coordinator, I get I know about other graduate students who are working with, yeah. you know, Latinx youth. And that's another way I, I try to reaffirm my Latinidad is by being a, a positive role model, mm -hmm. you know, not just for high school students, but any Latinx student that I encounter on campus, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I try to make them feel like, hey, this is possible. I did it. You know, I did it for B my BA, MA, MFA, and here I am, my PhD, and, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. it's possible. Mm -hmm. And so I really just try to um, make others feel uh, proud of their Latinidad, right? Because I know it can be difficult out here. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that people are not proud, but in their experiences, they may have uh, had such negative experiences mm -hmm. uh, or racism, you know, just flat out racism that they've dealt with and that may push that 
pride down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, an adjustment mm-hmm. to be here, uh, but it's something that um, I've dreamed of. And, you know, I get to be at Ohio State University and every time I'm walking by a campus uh, and the weather keeps switching and the trees, you know, everything is just beautiful. It's beautiful yeah. And I feel like I'm in a movie, you know, and, and I say <laughs> that. Yeah, it's it's funny and, and, uh, and it's almost cliche, but uh, it's really something to uh, to be a first generation Mexican-American and, and, and be at one of the you know, most prestigious institutions that the United States has to offer. And so it's really a representation of uh, the American dream being fulfilled. And and that's something that I want to give back to the community and have them see. Great. You mentioned that you, um, just to finish off, Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that you write poetry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would you mind sharing one? (laughs) I would love to share one. Uh, especially because um, you said um, you mentioned earlier that that's a way for you to um, sort of explore this identity and um, talk about that in a maybe in a different way. Um, so I don't I I would love to hear something from from your creative work. Uh, sure, I have a poem, um, but there may be. A curse word in it. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay, excellent. I see gringos in it. Is that okay? That's fine too. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> All right. So, you know, it's funny because I asked a lot of. So I mostly write about love, mm-hmm. right? And and whenever I've had uh, back in the MFA on San Diego State when I studied poetry, whenever I had other Latin a chances to meet other Latinx poets or the Mexicano poets. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked them, you know, hey, when did you start writing about being Mexican? And a lot of them told me it wasn't until after they finished the program. Hmm. Um, and I just had always wondered hmm. about that because I had never written about that until uh, Donald Trump came out and said uh, that all Mexicans were rapists hmm. and criminals and this hmm. and that, right, and all that nonsense. And I felt a need to express uh, something against that. And, and so... What I do with my poetry is not only do I mix in Spanish throughout because of the sounds that it uh, produces, but also to as a reminder mm-hmm. that hey, I'm here. Yeah. Um, but this one's, this poem is really dedicated to that moment where, uh, or to the continual thoughts of what Mexicanos deal with and and how we're sort of stereotyped, mm-hmm. and it's an answer really to um, to Trump's. Ludicrous statements. Okay. Uh, so it's called No Somos Cabras, which um, translates to We Are Not Goats. Mexican-American embarrassed, my people uprooted, two governments hurl us back and forth, fighting over lines imaginary to imagine life. Mexican flag flies high over San Isidro, the American higher, air governed by people hoarding real estate. They possess a rep for hate and thieving for God. Mexican is culture folklorico, reduced to partying in Tijuana. How fucked up you got slaying a weekday. Tourist dollars barter to break backs. Pinche gringos. Mexicans beat corners with pedals, hustle dimes from lovers young in the game, sculpt lawns you admire over coffee. At dawn, pick strawberries your kids crave. Mexicanos hablan español, language of the sexy. Ours roll hard though. 
tongues are taught submission. Throw out lineage with an accent. Carrillo, Hernandez, so you can try understanding. Mexican is destiny to always have the best food at parties. We call them carnesadas, guacamole, what you got? We adobada your hate, wrap it in a burro, pero gente, wash your hands first. Mexicans can build anything except walls for white men who pass, blame out like dum-dums. Tricks, no treats, only the illusion of a dream. Out on a limb for goats to graze, bay, and snip scraps. But we ain't that. Excellent. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> great, great. Um, okay, thank you, Carlos, for your story in this wonderful poem. Uh, the discussion of identity is one that you will hear often in this podcast. We, Latinx, are not a homogeneous group. We have different heritages, languages, and experiences that differ from one another. And the use of X, more than addressing a non-binary gender identity, it is also a picture of our mestizaje and complex complexity as a group. Uh, what's your story, listener? Share this podcast with your friends and family and let us know what topics you want to hear. Hasta la próxima. Hasta la próxima.